When Les and I got married, I moved into the loft she had been living in on the corner of West Broadway and Canal Street. Our space was one flight up. It was an interesting neighborhood, to say the least, well before West Broadway became the la-di-da place it is today in Soho. It was beginning, but it would take a few more years before that change from who wants to live there to I can't tell you what a bargain I got on a one-bedroom off a of Prince, just a few thousand a month. What made that particular part of Soho interesting was that it slammed full stop into Canal Street, which was one of the grittier streets in town. The east-west thoroughfare was always bustling, alive day or night, with a combination of traffic, Army-Navy stores, electronic wholesalers, cheap jewelry shops, and lots and lots of street vendors. You could buy anything on Canal. I still have a machete. Yes, a machete. I bought off a guy for five bucks. He was selling them from a cardboard box, a 10-inch machete for five bucks, no questions asked. That was Canal Street. And you hardly had to walk into a store. They brought the merchandise out to the sidewalk in torn cardboard boxes laying on the ground, run wobbly folding tables, kettles, knives, blankets, silverware, coffee pots, copper wire, scrap metal. Anything and everything was for sale on Canal Street. With all that stuff on the sidewalks, it could get pretty crowded on a weekend day. Add to that the vehicular traffic, and it was quite the sideshow. On or near the west end was the entrance to the Holland Tunnel. On the east was the approach to the Manhattan Bridge. So there was a steady stream of trucks hauling merchandise, cabs, buses, and anyone else nutty enough to want to drive that street. The whole area was a potent mix of old-world commerce, hucksterism, a third-world atmosphere with a whiff of punk thrown in. There were a few bars, ones for the most part that we were afraid to go in. A couple of diners, lots of Asian places. When you got near Chinatown, one or two family restaurants, or as near as Canal got to defining what a family restaurant was. There was nothing genteel about it all. It was New York at its most base, and like the commercial said, it never, never slept. We loved it. We lived on the, in a building on the northwest corner of the intersection. A plain box-like building with one entrance on West Broadway, a loft space, no rooms, on the second floor. Oh, and the bathroom was in the hall. Each floor had a bathroom at the top of each landing. The good news being that there was only one loft per floor, so it wasn't quite a shared bathroom, but it wasn't anything I had been used to. There were three floors above us, so it wasn't uncommon to meet a neighbor coming home as you were on your way to take a shower. And while in an apartment, one would think nothing of coming out of the bathroom wearing virtually nothing, there you made sure you were dressed. You never knew who you might meet in the hallway. It must have been more of a nuisance to the folks who lived on the top floor and had to run the gamut of three possible meetings with neighbors either on their way up or down the stairs. Ah, uh, loft life. The ground floor of the building had a kind of luncheonette diner place facing canal. Every once in a while we would go there for a takeout cup of coffee. No one ever said anything. It was always kind of dark. And the regular clientele consisted of big burly guys that made up in our minds were longshoremen or something like that. They weren't headed uptown to any Madison Avenue office, that was for sure. We would nod, smile, get no response, and leave. And the coffee was good. At the time, we had one cat, only one, a big bundle of black and white love called Vinyl. Les and she had been a team long before I came into the picture, but she seemed to adapt to our married life very nicely. 
So there we were, the three of us in the loft. It had huge tall windows looking out onto both streets, and on warm days we would open them wide, letting in the exhaust, the smog, and the noise from one flight below. There were no screens, so occasionally an odd bit of the city would come flying into our space, but that just came with the territory. Vino used to love to sit on the windowsill, whichever one was getting the most sun, of course, and contentedly watch the crazy world below play out for her. One day, we were reading on the couch, and Vina was sitting in the window directly across from us. It was a nice spring day, and we were looking forward to a walk in the park a bit later. But first, there was the morning rituals to be attended to. Life was good. Until I looked up from my paper, and Vinyl was gone. The window wasn't but a few steps from the couch, so we certainly could have heard her fly back or jump down. We looked at each other and did a recon. One thing about living in a loft with no rooms, you can pretty much see everything there is to see with one sweep of your eyes. No vinyl anywhere. Had she fallen out the window? She did tend to fall asleep in the sun, and one wrong shift in body weight could have sent her to the sidewalk below. I prayed that old adage about cats always landing on their feet was a solid one. We ran down the stairs and jumped out to West Broadway. The amount of traffic was alarming, and Vino had never been out by herself, not like most other cats in the city. The windows she was sitting in faced canals, so we ran around the corner. I felt a little relief when I saw the awning that covered the entrance to the diner. If she had fallen, maybe she would have hit that, and then with the curb so close, I didn't want to think anymore. We were just on the verge of splitting up to better cover more ground when Les suggested we go into the diner and ask if anyone had seen or heard anything. Good idea, I thought. If we could get that crowd to grunt out an answer, it was worth a shot. We opened the door and stepped in, and something was immediately strange. To our left, where the counter was, there were three or four big guys in a huddle staring at the other side of the room. Even the big greasy counter guy was looking out from the swinging doors that led to the kitchen, less not bothering to care about why these guys were almost hugging each other, just asked, anybody see a cat? And one guy slowly raised his arm and pointed across the room to an empty table. Huh? I take a few steps, and lo and behold, under said empty table, sitting as calmly as can be, was Vinyl. She had a bit of a quizzical look on her face, not quite sure how she got there. Is it, is it yours, one guy asked? Yeah, yeah, that's her. It's her. It's okay. She won't bite or scratch or anything. But they didn't budge. How had we managed to live above the only diner in New York inhabited by these huge, strong-looking guys who all happened to be deathly afraid of a cat? Les went over, knelt down, and Vinyl jumped into her arms, already purring. I was baffled. Did she do anything, I asked the guys? Did she hurt anybody? I felt like a fool, asking what looked like the front line of the Green Bay Packers if they had been molested by our cat. They all shook their heads slowly. One finally said, no, no, she just, she just came out of nowhere. Okay, I was sure it was just as much of a shock to Vinyl to take a nap in the morning sun and wind up facing down four big guys in a diner and intimidating them, too. Well, we'll just be going now, I said, smiling. As Les walked out of the diner with the still purring vinyl in her arms. You all have a nice day now, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good. You have a nice day. I kept mumbling as I shut the door behind me. When she hit the pavement after sliding off the awning and just ran inside the place, she must have freaked everyone out. 
How long were those guys going to stay trembling in one big group until she left? When we got back upstairs, we gave our little girl some food, sat back down on the couch, and Les asked, what just happened? Did you see those guys? They were scared, scared of our little vinyl. And that's when she started laughing. And in a moment, of course, I joined in. The whole episode was so utterly bizarre, it needed to be laughed at. We knew we would remember that morning for all time, and we have. It was that crazy. I looked over at the kitty and wondered how anyone, especially those guys, could be frightened of her. She took a break from eating to look back at me, and I could swear she was smiling. Rob.